Man, it's good to be in God's house. Somebody say amen. 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 Thank you, worship team. You guys are awesome. And uh, we want to get early in the Word this morning because I believe God, I just want to have time for prayer today uh, about the Word. I'm excited to give it. And uh, let's pray this morning uh, before we get going and ask the Lord to be with us because we know we can't do anything without His Spirit. Amen? Amen. And Father, we love You today. God, we thank You for who You are, but also who we are now in Jesus Christ. God, I thank You for real transformation in believers' life. God, I know that, Lord... I have fallen short of the glory of God. Lord, I have sinned. Lord, I have made mistakes repeatedly, continually. But God, you I have also noticed, God, that you have truly transformed my character, my personality. God, you've rewired my thinking, my attitude. And Lord, even though if I don't always act like it or look like it, God, I can feel a sense of your Holy Spirit living inside of me. God, that you're no longer just an intellectual argument. God, you're no longer a religion or or just something I've heard about. But Lord, we have experienced you. God, we felt you. We know you. We believe in you. We trust on you, God. And I pray today, Lord, that every person in this room, every person that hears this message, God, would know the presence of God. Lord, would have a, a tangible relationship with You. And Lord, we are talking today about the transformation of, of believers. And God, we want to be transformed uh, into being like Jesus Christ and to be the church that You've called us to be. And Lord, I pray over these next few moments, God, that uh, we want to honor You. I pray, Lord, this Word, Lord, Your Word is holy. God, Your Word has come from heaven, from the power of the Holy Spirit. And God, it's not anything to be taken lightly or just gone through casually, but God, that we would apply it to our life, for it is life uh, everlasting. And let it be a lamp unto our feet today. And we go from this place changed, transformed by the power of Your Spirit. Somebody said, Amen. Amen. It's an awesome thing to have the Word of God. Amen? And and we shouldn't take it for for light. But uh, this morning, I want to talk to us about the change. And this is the third part of our series we've gone through this month. And we had an evangelist last week, and and really what the Word gave to him, I really felt like was setting the stage for this one. Uh, And this uh, topic this morning, uh, we're talking about the change, but this one we're going to talk about a change of mind. A change of mind. Uh, Because uh, Scripture has told us that uh, God promised us a new heart, a new spirit, and a new mind, and one day He promises a new body. And so we've already talked about heart and spirit, and today we're going to talk about change of mind. Uh, but I wrote a little a meme, I guess, uh, a little word play this week, I just, you know, just to open us up this morning about what is really on your mind. I know some of you have read it online already. But think about all the ways we talk about mind. You know, the mind is a crazy place, and some of our minds are a scary place, right? Uh, but the way we use the word mind a lot and we talk about it, and just give you some examples of how many words and how many phrases we use about the mind. Uh, you know, you can be strong-minded, you can be weak-minded, you can be open-minded or closed-minded. You know, some may call you simple-minded, uh, but perhaps you're just absent-minded. Maybe you just have to be reminded about all the things at the back of your mind, uh, or perhaps you just have to get your mind out of the gutter because often, maybe unlike hopefully in the middle of the sermon, your mind wanders with all the thoughts and questions that are running through your mind. Just think about all this. Uh, or perhaps today, by the end of the sermon, you're just wanting some peace of mind uh, because you feel like you're about to lose your mind, right? Uh, but what if today we could actually change our mind? Amen. Amen. 
So today, if you don't mind, we're going to wrap our minds around how we can renew our mind and get the mind of Christ. Amen? Amen. All right? And that messes with your mind. Just listen to that right there, right? You know, the mind is an amazing thing. And, and, I, and going into college, I wanted to study it. And that's kind of what I wanted to do with my life before God got a hold of me. Uh, but it's an amazing thing. But, you know, it also has its problems. Uh, sometimes, just to give an example, psychology today tells us these four main problems sometimes we have with the mind is that, number one, is we don't always notice the obvious. Uh, our instincts sometimes fail us. Sometimes we miss what is true. Or sometimes we believe things that there's really no evidence for. Or sometimes our minds are wired to put trust or confidence in things that it shouldn't. Or sometimes, perhaps, we unknowingly jump to conclusions and we'll make faulty assumptions. Those are some main problems we'll have with our minds. Uh, But simply, we don't always know why we act what we do. And to be honest, uh, we see it a lot of times in others. And Bill Ingvill is a comedian, uh, you may know, in the South, he's... Famous for a phrase, here's your sign. He says that everybody uh, who's stupid or ignorant should have a sign around their neck that everybody should be aware of, that they have a sign that says that. And I think that's how we act sometimes when we see other people. We know we say, why don't they act differently? Or why are they always doing that? That's just ignorant. Or why don't they stop that behavior? And some of us are like, if I could just take their life and just give me five minutes I could fix some things. Anybody ever thought that about your kids, your in-laws, or your relatives, right? If I could just give me five minutes and I could just get in their head, I could fix it, right? Uh, And and we see it often in others, but it's kind of hard to see it in ourselves sometimes. Uh, And to be honest, we all got mental issues, all right? Okay? Uh, We all have problems. And sometimes we are captive to our own thoughts, uh, you don't know why you're thinking. You can't, your mind's on a loop. You can't get it out of those bad thoughts or those bad habits. Or uh, you can't understand why you feel so bad about yourself or your situations. Or you can't get victory over these issues. And, and that's common to all men. And uh, honestly, the church for a long time has not really known how to talk about those things. But as the, the day has gotten worse and darker, as Jesus is coming soon, the mind is getting to be a very scary place, Right? In this world today, the minds of this world. And, and the mind is this place of knowing and reasoning, Scripture says. It's the place that where men judge, where they formulate intentions, where we get our attitudes, where you develop your viewpoints. And in the mind is this thing some people have, I think, called a conscience. And a conscience is where you get this morality inside of you of right and wrong. And everybody's born with one, but then we come to God and we have to get a new one. Because Scripture tells us, just like your heart, just like your spirit, just like your body, your mind was corrupted at the fall. And your mind is a fallen mind. And God in Christ today is going to give us a new mind. And so uh, we've all got mental issues. Let's just be honest with each other. And spouses, you can tell your spouse today, you got some mental issues. you got some issues, all right? Right? We can look to our neighbor. But... What is true, here's the thing though, what is true in your mind often becomes true in your life, right? What's true in your mind often becomes true in your life and whatever, whether you're right or wrong, I've talked to enough people in counseling over the last 10 plus years, you know, and even from campus ministry and, 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 and whatnot, that, that whether it's true or not, it's valid in that person's mind. Whether their situation is really that bad or not, in their mind it is. So therefore, in their life, it is. 
And sometimes that's, that's the problem. What's true in our minds becomes true in our lives. And many today, think, give you some examples. Many today are ruled by, uh, in this culture, what feels right. Or what determines in themselves to be true. That truth that they've perceived in their own mind. That's truth in their life. Or others' minds today, we've been shaped by years of false teaching, whether in the church or whether philosophies of the world. Uh, or maybe there's been verbal or physical abuse in your life and it's really rewired the way you think. Maybe there's faulty self-images in your mind and you don't understand and a big problem today uh, from adults to teenagers is cutting ourselves. We don't know really how to let the pain out of our minds that we're captive to it and it has to be a physical release to release the, pre- the pain, the pressure in our mind. That comes from this faulty self-image. Uh, it, there's difficulties we've experienced in our minds, disappointments, even doubts, the Bible says, planted by the enemy. And so here's the problem, and there's the mind. And Jesus comes on the stage, and He begins to quote Scripture from Deuteronomy chapter 6 as the most important thing that you and I should know today. And the thing that will determine your eternal destiny really is one verse. Uh, and it's Matthew 22, verse 37 and 38, if I added it on. And Jesus says, You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul or your spirit, and with all of your mind. And then he goes on and says, Likewise, love your neighbor as yourself. How, if this is my background, I am supposed to live. Maybe I've been abused. Maybe I've got things in my mind that I don't even know why I think the way I do. You know, we're starting to celebrate recovery. We've got people coming out of substance abuse. Maybe those are your backgrounds. Or maybe it's codependency. Or maybe there's gambling. And you don't know why the way you do. That's just who you are. And that's just your mind. How do you, because we'll be judged, love the Lord your God with every thought, every intention, Every, every desire of your mind, everything that you do, you will be judged in heaven. Have you loved the Lord with all of your mind? That's not kind of a scary thing, isn't it? Like, whew, right? Let's talk about that today for a minute because we've got to understand how is it possible to love God with all of your mind? How is it possible to focus on the things of God and silence things like depression and pride and lust and hatred and envy and all those different things? And it's possible because God in Christ has given you a new mind that you can continually have renewed by the Holy Spirit who lives within you. In order to make it past the gates of heaven, you have got to receive a new mind in Jesus Christ. Somebody say amen. Let's talk about that natural mind for a second, because, again, Pastor John did a great job on helping us. Before we understand the grace of God, we've got to understand the, the cause, the judgment against us. And, and the natural mind, uh, we've got to understand the state of this natural mind that we just are born with. Uh, and the Bible talks a lot about worldly mindedness. What does that really mean? Scripture, I'm just going to give you a, a play out, of, an overview of what Scripture has to say this morning about the worldly minded Because it says Satan, the God of this world, has blinded the minds of believers or unbelievers uh, so they won't see the light of the gospel, 2 Corinthians 4.4. The scripture says that without Christ, our minds are hostile against God. Naturally, it's going to engage in evil deeds. Colossians 1.21 says our natural minds are futile for trying to live any kind of a good life. There's no attempt. There's nothing you can do in your own mind to try to live a good life. It's futile. Your mind will naturally be darkened in understanding, Ephesians 4 says. 
And your mind naturally only desires earthly things. It lives to indulge the lusts of the flesh. Your, your mind is captive to satisfy the cravings of your body. Uh, it, it seeks out pleasure. Your body wants pleasure. It wants comfort. It wants peace. It, it wants a, a, a satisfied life. And your mind will work out a scheme, uh, even if it's in your job, to get past the other person because you want more comfort, because your body demands it. Your mind will figure out a scheme of how to get it. Even if it means backbiting or cutting down the other person. That's the way the natural mind works. Uh, the natural mind is, is to please the flesh. And despite all of this, Scripture tells us that it's only going to lead to this temporary satisfaction if you let your mind rule your life, that it only will ultimately lead to shame and ultimately lead to eternal destruction as we follow the lusts of the flesh and the lusts of the eyes. That mind will get, put us to gaze those things and we'll wake up the next morning and think, man, why did I do that? I feel worse today than yesterday. And it will, then, then all you got left to do is do more to get back the, the feeling of peace or uh, uh, love or acceptance or pleasure that you tried to gain the last day. And every time more and more, you see this in, in uh, addiction to pornography, addiction to alcohol and gambling or relationships, uh, you're satisfied for a moment, but the next day you feel worse off and you just have to do it more to just feel any sense of feeling at all. That's the way the mind works. And this is the status of the world today. And it goes even so much into Romans chapter 1 that when we get to a place where we reject even our minds, reject the reality of God, that there is no God, like an atheist culture we have today. God says He begins to give those people, that type of people, over to a depraved mind to be... Uh, ruled by their own pursuits. And we see that today in our, our very sexualized and uh, homosexual culture and, and uh, a moral heterosexual culture today that God says that in that kind of culture and that kind of people, they will fall to the depravity of their own mind. That's what we're up against. And so there is no hope for you today if you think you can come in here and serve the Lord and love the Lord without having a change of mind. It's not possible. It's not possible to sing some songs, to read your Bible, even to pray without a renewed and new mind. You can't be a good husband. You can't be a good wife. You can't be a good father or mother. You can't be a good Christian unless you get out of this mind and put on the mind of Christ. And perhaps really worse than a worldly minded person is a religiously minded person. Because a religiously minded person is one who is hardened by this veil of religion, but they really, Second uh, Corinthians tells us, they have no real victory in their life. They, they preach a freedom, but they're instead slaves to sin themselves. Second Peter chapter 2 talks about uh, that they don't have this true knowledge of God. And like Israel, they don't have this true revelation of the power that comes in the Spirit of God in Christ. And they become stubborn-minded and fall from righteousness. That's religiously minded, thinking you can do it by your own power. You end up worse off than you were before because that religion begins to screw with your mind and warp your mind even more to think that you can do it on your own, that there's something that you've got to do, that it's your fault that's, and your, your, your duty. And while we do participate in, in the Spirit of God, but it's a new mind. Let me just say this before we even get into the blessing of God. Whether we want to accept the things of God in our mind or not, whether we want to look at the Word and say it's true or not, He will find you out. There will come a day, whether you accept or reject God, you're going to meet Him face to face. 
Scripture says this in Ezekiel 11 and 1 Chronicles chapter 28. It says that God searches and knows every thought that comes into your mind. Is that not a scary thing? Really? I mean, that should put some holy fear in us just right there. That God knows every fleeting thought that comes in your mind. And you and I will be judged according to whether every thought love the Lord. Think about that. That's what Jesus says. He says, you must love the Lord with every thought. Does that not put some hopelessness in you? Does it, I mean, that's me, right? Right? It puts some fear, some hopelessness. And that's where we have to be. That's where you must start this journey today is to know what lies ahead of you. And Jeremiah 17.10 says that God tests the mind and the heart. He sees them both. And we can choose to eject those things and say, it's not that bad. I'm an okay guy. I'm an okay girl. I'm, 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 I'm doing pretty good. But there's going to come a day you will not escape that judgment where there, you loved God with all your heart, soul, and mind and strength. We can play the religious game, but God knows the truth about what we really think, what we really believe, and we'll be judged on how much I loved Him. But there's hope. That's the awesome part. There was no hope, but thank God there's hope in Jesus Christ. There's no hope on my own, but there's hope in Jesus Christ. And what is that hope today? That your mind can be changed and it can be renewed by Him. Let's talk about that new mind today. You know the word repentance actually means change of mind in the Greek? Uh, one of, there's many words that we talk about in the Greek because a lot of Greek words mean a bunch of different things. But one word for repentance actually means change plus mind, a change of mind or after plus mind, an, an after mind. And it actually means to come to a new way of thinking, to leave your way of thinking, believing, and doing and to turn to another way of thinking, believing, and doing. Repentance is not just saying, I'm sorry. It's a change of mind. It's a new way, a leaving of the way I was thinking, and now moving to a new way of thinking. And when Jesus comes in Mark chapter 1, verse 5, He says, Repent and believe in the gospel. You know what He says? He says, Change your thinking and believe in the gospel. That's what He's saying. He's not just saying, hey, everybody, say you're sorry for your sins, raise your hand, go to church every Sunday, and believe in the gospel. No, he's saying, change the way you think. Leave control of your life. Leave the way you think about things. Leave the way you feel about things. Leave the way you want to do things and believe in God's way, in God's plan, in God's purpose, in God's kingdom. And so I've got to come to this place in my life where I say, all right, God... I realize that your thoughts are higher than my thoughts. Your ways are higher than my ways. God, you alone are holy. God, you alone are worthy and great and powerful. There is no one like our God. And I got to realize that I don't like the way I think. Anybody? Sometimes the way I think is wrong. I've got to be able, before you can have a problem, you know, they talk about an uh, AA and different things. You've got to come out of denial that you have a problem. And somebody in this room today, we all need to admit, I've got a mental problem. I'm just raising both my hands. I've got a mental problem. I don't like the way I naturally think. Heath Harris, on his own, is not a good person. But Heath Harris in Christ can be a new person, right? Uh, and Amen. So we've got to leave the way I was thinking before and come to his thinking. 
Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16, he says, Who has known the mind of the Lord and can instruct Him? But we have the mind of Christ. It seemed impossible before Christ to even think about, God, how can I even think like you think? God, how can I even know what you know? God, how can I even uh, sense what you sense and, and feel what you feel? And, 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 you know, pick on Joe here. Uh, Joe and I went, had lunch this week, and, you know, God gave a word for Joe, or to Joe for another person across the restaurant. That's from the mind of God. Right. We don't have a thought. We don't know what God's plan is for other people or what God's thinking about different things. But we have now the mind of Christ when we become a new creation. And so uh, you know, and the world will come us to and say, you know what? Uh, you should just be open minded. That's the new thing. Right. Be open minded, because in the world's view, that's what change of mind means. It means, well, uh you believe in God. Well, you're just open-minded to spiritual things. Or, or you come to my way of thinking, that means you must be open-minded to my way. And you can keep your way. You can add my way to it. And you can, add a, you can be open-minded about this spiritualism. You can be open-minded about that political debate. Or you can be open-minded about that viewpoint. Or, I'm pretty open-minded. That's what people in the world say. They just pick different things that they feel in their mind is right. Or pleases them. Or sounds good in their mind. That's not at all the way the Bible talks about becoming a Christian. We're not just open-minded to the things of God. We have left our mind and put on God's mind. And so, uh, it's the spiritual revelation, you cannot do it on your own. It's not something you can do and say, I'm going to be open-minded about the things of God. It's, it's, it's that uh, when we think about it this way, in Luke chapter 24, verse 45... The Bible says that Jesus, after his resurrection, was ministering to the disciples. They didn't have a clue who he was. And on the road uh, to Emmaus, he, he began to minister to them. And they, they began to just be ministered by him. And he opened up uh, the Scripture to them. They began to understand it. And later on it says that he opened their minds to understand the Scriptures. That Jesus did something. He breathed His Holy Spirit upon them. He opened their minds to just, in a moment, it was an instantaneous change. That they just like, aha! I get it. I see that there was coming a Messiah. I see that He had to die on the cross. I see that He was born uh, of a virgin. That He he died and He rose again on the third day after uh, being dead. And He took what was bound and He loosed it and He broke the chains of sin and now He's coming back again and He lives in us. And they just began to be ecstatic because there was this new mind, this new understanding by the very presence of God. Amen? Amen? And if you and I hope to make heaven today, there must be something inside of you, something that God Himself, that you didn't do just because you studied this a lot, that you didn't do because you just come to church and you hear Pastor Heath or uh, preach or Miss Stacy sing or go to uh, Sunday school or our small groups. It's not something that you can do. It's something the Holy Spirit, when you're born again, comes alive in you. And there's this newness. You're like, man, I've heard about the grace of God all my life, but now I get it. Uh, I've heard about the joy of the Lord, but now I feel it. You know, I've, 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 I've had all these problems with gambling or addiction or lust or relationships or pride before, but now I think differently. I feel differently. I, I sense things differently because you've got a new mind. Amen? A new mind. 
It's a born-again experience, John 3, 3. It means our heart, our soul, our mind, the deepest aspects of who you are will be changed if you're truly born again. Not maybe, perhaps, they are changed. I like what uh, the author of Hebrews in chapter 8, verse 10, I think we have it on the screen, says, for this is the covenant, this is the promise from Jeremiah 31 that was given into the New Testament for us. It says, for this is the covenant, the agreement, the promise, the unbinding, unbreakable pledge, or the binding, unbreakable pledge that God says. He says, I will make with those of the house of Israel, the people of God, after those days, the days of the coming of the Spirit, and the last days, which happened uh, the day of Pentecost, says the Lord, that I will put my law, my laws, into their minds. And I'll write them on their hearts and I will be their God and they'll be my people. Meaning they're going to have this intimate relationship with me where everything I think, I'm going to just be putting it into their minds. Everything I feel about things, I'm going to be putting into the body and the people of God. That's an awesome thing. You don't have to go to a Bible uh, uh, study class and go to seminary now to understand the things of God that any good old boy or any good old gal who has the Holy Spirit living within them now can sense and know the presence of God. Now can be called into ministry and go out and, and reach the lost. That's a miracle, church. That's an amazing thing that before you had to rely on a priesthood and a temple and, and works of religion, but now you and I can know that He's my God I'm a child of God. Amen? Somebody say amen. Amen. This new mind, this promise, that's God's promise to you today. And I hope today you would take advantage of that promise or maybe you know that promise, but to be reinvigorated or re-energized about what God's promise is that He is going to give you His mind. I'm going to give you this uh, today, the mind of Christ. What is it? What happens when we're born again in our minds? In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, Paul says, like I said, that we have the mind of Christ. And it's these things. I'll give you five things of what the mind of Christ really is if you're taking notes this morning. Number one, it's God's nature. Number one, it's God's nature. It means that you get to understand the essence of His nature. You get His attitudes about things. It's, uh, you know, the good things and bad things, the way God looks at things in the world. So you get this attitude of God. Some of us need to get the attitude of God instead of the attitude of ourselves, right? We have the attitude issues sometimes with our family, our spouse, our kids, or whatever, our coworkers. God, take my attitude. Give me your attitude. Amen? I want my emotions to change. I want my will to change. I want my temperament to change. I was the most sarcastic and cynical person before God got really a hold of me. Some of you wouldn't even have a clue what that would be like. My wife knows. She married me anyway, right? Uh, she knew me before. Yeah, bless her. That's right. God's nature, number one. Number two, spiritual things. Understanding spiritual things. So you get God's nature. Then you get to understand spiritual things, meaning you get to learn and hear from the Holy Spirit. Number three, uh, so you get God's nature. You get spiritual things. Number three, you get uh, to see the wisdom of God's Word. You get the wisdom of God's Word. You look in Scripture and say, wow, that makes sense, God. Man, my life was foolishness before, and now the things that I used to be interested in, I no longer am. I don't care about watching. I used to watch horror movies. I'll be honest, I'm confessing. I used to watch horror movies a lot growing up. I just, I didn't bother me. You know, I have seen all of them. I don't care a lick about that anymore. That's horrible. I look back and I think, why did I get any entertainment out of that stuff? It was just junk of the world. And man, some warped things that Hollywood's making now. I look at them like, that's just... I have no desire 
at all to watch that filth. And God's got me a new mind, right? And so I, I look at the foolish things I used to do, and I don't crave those things anymore. Now i got the wisdom of God. And so that's three, the wisdom of God. Number four is the plan and purpose of God. You get to see the awesomeness. I know we, we did a, a teaching at Sanctuary, I think my first year here, we talked about the mission of God. We're going to talk about it a little bit tonight. But that you get to see that from Genesis chapter 1, God has got a plan. For his people, that God has given promise after promise to get Christ here. And he's orchestrated this beautiful mosaic picture. And every piece flows together to get Jesus Christ on the earth. And since that, that every person in the body of Christ has got a, an awesome place in the kingdom, that there's this global plan, this global initiative of the church of God that is beautiful, that is just so amazing how every piece works together to see the kingdom of God uh, advance. And you begin to see the plan of God in your life. And you say, God, I understand why I had to hear that sermon or why that grandma prayed over me or God, why my parents did what they did or God, why I had to go through that trial or God, how you were there time and time again. And you begin to see the plan of God unfold in your life because you have the mind of Christ. You get to see His thoughts about you. That you know He speaks over you while you're sleeping. He sings and dances over you, Psalm says. Right? God's got a plan for your life and you begin to live it out because you've got the mind of Christ. Number five, your new minds now ultimately lead you to a holy and fruitful life by the Spirit. You begin to love. You begin to have peace. You begin to have patience and joy, the things of God, because of this new mind. These are all the things that when I want you to look this morning and say, do I have that? Is that something that you've experienced? Or maybe that's something that you know you've had before and you, you sense those things. And maybe if you were really honest, you'd say, I've had it, I know it, but I really am not living in the fullness of it. And that's what we're going to go to next. Is because you have a new mind when you're saved, and, and that's this instantaneous act. I'm going to tell you, it's something that happens in a moment because the Spirit of God comes in you. But you may not be fully aware of it. It's like an infant. There is a definable moment when an infant is born. And there's new life. And you hear that screaming baby. And you, and you see it, and you feel it, and you touch it, and you can smell it. But that mind and that baby still has to grow up into maturity. It still has to be shaped. And a spiritual mind is the same way. There is an instantaneous beginning of a new mind. There must be an instantaneous change when you truly repent, get a change of mind, and receive the mind of Christ. It's going to happen in one single moment. But then there's going to be a progressive growth that must happen. Unless that baby stops growing, it will die, right? If that baby ever stopped growing, that, that infant would have a disease or it would be dead, right? That mind is continually growing in those infants and it happens exponentially. And it, in a spiritual sense, that, that baby doesn't really have a control over its growth. It just knows I eat food, I, I drink milk, and I grow up. The same is true from the Spirit. If you begin to receive from the Word and receive from the Spirit, you will naturally grow up. It's not something you can do on your own. It's by the Spirit of God in you. Somebody say amen. amen. Okay? All right, so there's the new mind that you and I must have instantaneously. If you have not had that today, you're going to have an opportunity. But there's a renewing of the mind that maybe speaks more to all of us here today. And that is, turn with me to Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. If you've got your Bibles. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. This is the meat and potatoes. Uh, I don't want to go too long because I want to have time for prayer today. But this renewed mind, you know, anybody learned this yet? That uh, being a Christian is not easy. 
Anybody have that issue, right? It's really not that easy. In fact, it's probably the hardest thing in the world to do. And I want to be aware of that before you begin to ask for something from God. Uh, It's not easy. The Bible says in Ephesians 6, there's a spiritual warfare going on for the battle of your mind. That you need to put on the full armor of Christ, the helmet of salvation. That you've got to have your armor on. There's a battle for your mind. Uh, a great book Joyce Meyer wrote, The Battlefield of the Mind. Check it out sometime. Uh, the, the spiritual warfare is going on. And not only that, uh, Colossians, or 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3, talks about how the devil's trying to lead our minds astray from simple and pure devotion of Christ. Uh, and then you've got on top of not only the, the spiritual warfare with the devil going on in your mind and these thoughts, you're like, man, why? I don't even know why I'm thinking. Anybody? Sometimes you just go throughout your day like, where in the world did that thought come from? You don't even know. You're just sitting through, you're driving through the red light and just a horrible thought about somebody comes in your mind. I, just be honest. We all do it. Okay, I do it. And you're like, what? Where did that come from? Uh, you put those things away. And it says not only that, but then your body who's not fully renewed yet, waiting for that day where you get the new body, you still got this sinful body on, and your body now says, hey, 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 you're not pleasing me like you once were. You're not trying to satisfy me like you once were. You're fasting now. You're praying now. You're not watching all the TV you used to watch. You're not, you're not uh, following the lust of the flesh of, that you want. You're not building your pride up like you were and talking about yourself or, or building your reputation or seeking to ple- you know, get a bigger house, a bigger car, more boats and, and uh, four-wheelers and guns. And, and not all those things are bad. But if, if that's my reputation, that's what I'm pleasing myself with. Uh, or the things I wear or the things that people think about me on Facebook or Instagram or Snapchat and, and I'm trying to build myself up, my image. He's like, you're not pleased. The body's going to be like, I'm going to war against that mind because I need to be pleased. I need to be satisfied. I need to be coddled to. That's what your body's going to do. And so it's not easy. And perhaps what happens, and it's the most sad thing for me, I think, as a pastor, is that New believers come, these new infants come in spirit, and they begin to fight this opposition and fight these bodily crages. Uh, But then they put on religion. And the Bible says they become double-minded. James says the double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. And that there's this teeter-totter Christianity that I'm in Jesus, I'm worshiping God on the weekend, and then on Monday, I'm going out there to, to live with him or her, to watch what I want to watch, say what I want to say, do what I want to do. And it, yeah, there's going to be struggles if you're a new baby trying to learn all those things, but this double-mindedness where it's okay, I don't feel convicted about living this, this two-way life, or I can say I'm a Christian, but I don't have to go to church, or I can say I'm a Christian, and I don't have to do this, or I can still do what I want. That's the double-minded man. And, and it's so bad that Second Peter says that those who profess Christ on the outside, but on the inside, they secretly live up this sin-filled life. That they, escaped the, they, they had escaped the sin of the world at one time in their life by being born again, but they've backslidden. And it says they're like the dog that returns to its vomit because they've known Christ and yet left Him. And it's one of the most horrible things. But let me say this, there is still hope. Until the day you die, there is still hope to get this renewed mind. You ever wish for mind control? Maybe those of you who have parents, those of you who are parents, you ever wish for mind control? Do you know the U.S. government spent, I think, 25... Let me look. 
I don't want to get the million, $25 million over 25 years because they thought Russia during the Cold War had developed mind control. So they put $25 million to try to do something that's obviously not possible. $25 million of your tax dollars, for those of you who were alive back then, uh, went towards mind control. But do you ever, like I said this morning, you ever, you ever want that? Not only for yourself, you think, God, if you would just change the way I think, or God, get me out of this. Or maybe it's for your kids or your grandkids. You think, God, just let me just do like, mm, you know, and just kind of start erasing things in their mind or just start, if I could just take their head, open it up and put some stuff in it and close it back again. You know, you want that. And sometimes I want God to do that for me. God, break this thing in my life. God, get me out of this loop of thinking. God, take away this negativity, take away this depression. God, take away this thing I'm addicted to. Take away this pornography, take away this drink, take away uh, my desire to please people or take away this anger and my, my tongue that just keeps, I can't control it. You just want that. Anybody ever thought that before? you just like, I'm tired of dealing with this. I'll give you the answer to that in Scripture. There is, unfortunately, no mind control option in Scripture. God is not going to give you mind control. But there is a renewing. When Hebrews chapter 8, verse 10 said, He's going to put His law into your mind, it actually literally says He will keep on putting His law. I will keep on putting my law into their minds. And Romans 12 does it the best way. I think Paul, in, in uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 2, because there's this process. There's the new birth at salvation. But there's a growing up to maturity in Christ, this process of sanctification, of becoming holy as He is holy. And you get this mind of Christ. Let's read this uh, real quick. Romans 12, 2. He says, Paul, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed, on the other hand, by renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good, acceptable, and perfect. Some of yours says pleasing. Uh, good, acceptable, and perfect. That word transform in the Greek means metamorphosis. That's the word we use for the caterpillar. Anybody remember doing that in, in school? You put the caterpillar in that little thing and you, your whole class watches the cocoon uh, form. That's the same word. It means that there is a, a, a mysterious transformation that once it was a caterpillar, but then one day it becomes a butterfly. They are not the same insect. Even though we, they are, they're completely different. Unlike what they used to be before, there's no going back. And once it was transformed, a butterfly cannot turn back into a caterpillar. But there's a complete, mysterious transformation. I want you to understand this this morning. When you are born again, it's as if the change has begun in you. That caterpillar goes into that cocoon and wraps itself up. And you now begin to wrap yourself up with Christ. And you begin to get alone with Him and spend time with His Spirit. And just like there is a mystery, we don't understand, you know, science really doesn't understand how that metamorphosis works, why it works. But every time a caterpillar goes into a cocoon, it always comes out as a butterfly. It doesn't come out as a snake or a rabbit or, or anything else, right? There's some power in that thing that it knows. How does it know what to become? How does it tell itself what to be? But there's something mysterious. And God has made that for a reason. There is a mysterious change that must happen in you, not wrought by your own power. That caterpillar doesn't change himself. He just gets himself in the position to be changed, right? You and I today, if you're born again, you've got to get yourself in the position 
to continually be changed by the power of the Holy Spirit. You've got to get alone with Jesus. You've got to get alone and let Him wrap you in His arms. And the Holy Spirit begins to work from within. That word conform, it says, do not be conformed to the world. That is an exterior change. The world today wants to conform you to its way of thinking. But Jesus wants to transform you from within to get a new beginning, a new thing. that The world is going to give you tools and resources. Hey, you should think this way. Here's a cool philosophy. You should follow yoga. You should follow meditation. You should follow this thing or that thing. You should wear this or that. Or you should believe in this. You should listen to this music. You should follow that person. They're outside things trying to get into your mind. But Jesus is speaking within. Jesus is renewing from within. It's a continual change that continues until the day when we are resurrected into a new body. And God says He will lift you up like wings on eagle, right? And that you'll have a new being. And so right now, church, I know we're engaged in the world. We're out there uh, reaching the lost. We're uh, fighting the good fight of faith. But while we're in our alone time, is God transforming you from within? Is the Holy Spirit speaking to you? And Ephesians 4, uh, 23 and 24 says it this way, Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Put on the new self, which is the likeness of God, created in righteousness and holiness of truth. Meaning, Paul speaks to Christians and he says, God gave you something when you were born again. A new man who's made in righteousness and holiness. That new man thinks right. That new man's not depressed. That new man's not addicted to drugs. That new man's not addicted to relationships or woman. That new, that new person in you doesn't have an anger problem. That new person in you doesn't have a thinking problem. That's the one that was made in holiness and righteousness of truth. But you've got to daily be renewing through the power of the Holy Spirit. If we've got an anger problem, we've got a depression problem, we've got a, 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 a sickness problem in our minds or an addiction problem or, or just an attitude problem of anger or unforgiveness, it's the thing to do. God, I'm getting alone with you. God, Holy Spirit, change me from within. Lord, I'm reading your word. God, I'm meditating on your word. God, I'm, I'm being refreshed by the presence of God in my quiet time. I'm getting alone with you to pray. God, and you, not conforming from the outside, but God, it's not religion or Bible preaching or Bible thumping or, or even worship music. It, those things are from the outside, but from within, God, it's the presence of the Holy Spirit who I feel, who I sense, who I hear, begin to renew me from within. And you're going to begin to do things like this. I would encourage you to go home tonight and read Romans 12 and Ephesians 4 because Paul gives you some examples because he says when you begin to do these things, church, you're going to begin to think humbly and soberly. You're going to have the same mind towards one another. You're going to think your mind on heavenly things. You're going to begin to associate with the humble. You're not going to think yourself to be wise but humble. He says you're going to begin to hate evil. You're going to overcome evil with good. You're going to love others. Even your enemies will you love. And all bitterness, all wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking will be put away from you. All malice, you'll begin to be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, because Christ has forgiven you. That's what the new mind looks like. I look at my life today and think, man, Heath, I need some renewal. I don't know about you. Sometimes I just, we've got to get alone. I want my mind to look like the mind of Christ. I'm going to give you seven tips on the screen real quick. I'm going to end with this for renewing the mind. Seven things about that getting along with Jesus, that, that cocoon with Christ, right? Don't coin that term, but just understand what I'm saying this morning. Seven tips for renewing the mind. Number one is stop sinning. Pretty simple. Stop sinning. Just start right there, right? Stop sinning. But why, how do you do that? 
It's because you know what Christ has done for you. And Galatians tells us you are no longer a slave to sin. I don't care what the devil tells you. You don't have to be addicted any longer. I don't care what the devil tells you. You don't have to be depressed any longer. You don't have to be overcome by evil any longer. God has made you a new creation. Amen? Number two, seek after spiritual understanding. That's that daily prayer and reading of the Word. These all start with an S, by the way. Stop sinning. Seek after spiritual understanding. Three, stay sober-minded. That means no longer filling my mind with the junk of the world when I want to try to be a Christian. That means I'm going to have to turn off the TV sometimes. I'm going to have to stop watching the movies that I used to watch that are corrupting my mind. I'm going to stop listening to the music I used to listen to because I'm tired that that is filling my mind more than the things of God. And anything in the world that is filling my mind more than the things of God, I'm going to silence it and shut it off so I can be sober-minded, focused, ready for His second coming. Sober-minded. It's not about rules and religion. It's about being sober-minded. Four, surround yourself. Surround yourself with good company. Be a part of the church. Put away the people that are dragging you down, the people that speak negativity over you all the time, the people that cuss all the time, the people that drink all the time, the people that do all these things that you just get entangled with them all the time anyway. Put them out of your life. Pray for them until you're strong enough to go back. Put out bad company. Be around good company. Five, set your mind. Set your mind on God's interests. Set your mind on God's interests. God is interested in building His church. That's why we're here. We're here to expand the kingdom until heaven comes down. That's, there's no other purpose for your life that does not fit within that. You are called to advance God's kingdom mission. That's your number one purpose in your life, whether you're a school teacher, a janitor, or a, a, a mechanic, or a pipeliner, or oil rig guy, or a pastor, or whatever. Your number one job in life is to grow and build God's kingdom through His local church. That's your job description. And anything that conflicts with that or pulls you away from that is not of God. This is the clear word of God there. Amen. That's for free. All right? Uh, Silence every thought. And that means silence every thought that is against the cross of Christ. And don't let Satan use your mind. You say, devil, I rebuke that thought in the name of Jesus. God, your word declares this. That's what you begin to do. Those thoughts of lust, those thoughts of pride, those thoughts of unforgiveness or anger, you come into your mind, you say, Devil, I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. Here's what the Word of God says. God, you are a forgiving God. God, you are grace. I've been forgiven in Jesus Christ. There's no longer condemnation in me, God. And, And you begin to quote those things because you're silencing all the thoughts of the devil. Lastly, it says, Be of the same mind. That means that in the church... We must love one another, be of the same mind for one another, just as Jesus Christ has loved us. I've got to love you. Same mind. We're in unity. If we're not united, there's no way we can reach the world. And any thought or any division or anything, we know that's the devil because it's pulling the church apart. It's speaking negativity. It's speaking gossip and slander. And we rebuke all religious things, rebuke all divisions and gossips and factions because we're the same mind. We all have the mind of Christ. Amen? Worship team, would you come? Every head bowed, every eye closed. I want to give us some time for prayer this morning. We're wrapping up early. Because I believe today God is about to renew some minds in this place. For some, He's about to change their mind. For some, He's about to bring deliverance. For some, He's about to bring uh, uh, just a victory that they've been longing for. 
Because remember, Jesus, when He opened their minds to understand the Scriptures, He breathed on them the Holy Spirit. There was an instantaneous change. Some of you need an instantaneous change in your mind today. Some of you, that's what God's going to do. For others, God is going to say, I'm calling you to get alone with me, to do these seven tips, to follow this Scripture, to follow His Word. And He's going to begin to renew you from the inside. So many have been, the world has been coming against you and speaking outside. It's trying to hammer, it's like a hammer and a jackhammer has been trying to beat down your mind with depression, despair, trying not to believe in the things of God and to let all these things overcome you. But God is going to transform you from within today. Maybe you got saved years ago, but you haven't reached that full maturity. You're saved, but you really struggle with anger or lust or pride or unforgiveness or or maybe it's just different things that just worry and anxiety, uh, doubts. The Bible says that if we would just begin to worship Him, begin to seek Him and His presence, He loves to give the Holy Spirit to those who ask. And the presence of God, Paul says that when we put on the mind of Christ, if we let this mind that was in Christ be in us in Philippians chapter 2, that means if we die to our will and humbly live for His, if we let this mind which was in Christ Jesus be in us, the peace of God which passes all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Jesus Christ. Father God, I pray today in the name of Jesus for every person in this room. God, I believe you're going to be doing something right now. Holy Spirit, we just welcome you.